What's up? Welcome to the Tim Vaxobab Show. This is episode 57 of the program. I am coming to you live from my bedroom, one of my many, 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 many bedrooms. I am a very, 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 very successful man. Just kidding, I'm not this. Okay, this is episode 57 of the program. That's my uh, ultra-nasally voice, which I call my, like, Italian voice. I always sound a little bit Italian because I'm Italian, like, Italian-American, and I don't do that on purpose. It just comes out that way. Like, when I say, hey, I'm Italian, I don't mean to, like, put emphasis on the T and pronounce it as a D. It just happens or it just happens. Hey, hey, what nationality are you, Tim? I'm half Italian. It just happens. I can't control it. Anyway, we got a lot going. This is going to be a very bad episode. I'm setting the expectations low. I don't know. This one took a long time to prepare for. And by that, I mean want to do. Like, I don't know, man. I've been having a weird week. Lots of ups and downs. Lots of not getting my dick sucked. I guess we're going there. It's been a long time. Yeah, let's start the episode by talking about that. It's been a long time since I've gotten my dick sucked. Somebody was like, hey, why don't you just hire a a whore? Fuck it, I'll say whore. Why do I care if somebody gets offended by that word, if that's what they're, if that's the right word? That's the easiest fucking word. Hooker, whore, trampola, woman of the night. Call them what they are. Anyway, somebody's like, why don't you just go to a strip club? If you're horny and, and incel and unhappy about it, it's like, well, cause I'm not that I'm not that much of an incel like you are. Clearly, person I'm referring to in this story, but I'm not you. But anyway, not this guy was a nice guy. I don't know. I, whatever. I'm I'm a very I'm trying to like get better at socializing. I used to not know how to socialize in a, like a way that was like substantial and actually turned into long-lasting, uh, permanent, real friendships. So I'm trying to get... I'm, my social skills are improving a lot by overcoming my disease, my Jewish disease. Let's not leave that part out. Let's qualify it. It's not just any disease. It's a Jewish disease. That is uh, ADHD that I'm referring to. A lot of Jews have it a lot of jews also just don't have anything they're just jewish and that in and of itself is a disease i'm just, i don't i'm just kidding uh, if you're full jewish that's kind of a disease if you're only half jewish it's like okay that's a superpower if I, if you're half italian half jew that's the best race that you could be to get into that that was a good opener to the episode. So anyway, my social skills are improving in the sense that I could actually like hold conversations with people and not just feel like I'm overwhelmed by the variables and like, oh, am I being boring? And like, oh, am I talking for too long? No, I no longer have that problem. I could just be relaxed and actually connect with people and not feel autistic that's a big thing like i used to feel autistic in conversations because i would just say things that are like weird and like the energy just wasn't right and the timing and the influx inflection now i'm actually like a normal person all i needed was amphetamine the same shit they gave hitler to give all those magical speeches Say what you want about Hitler, but he was a great fucking speech giver. I mean, that's pretty undeniable. I don't care for everything that he's done, but, like, you gotta respect. You can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, that's enough. That's all I really have to say about Hitler. Like, you know, he was an okay artist. He was an artist. Isn't that fucking weird? One of the most evil people in the world was, like, he just wanted to paint. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like he, and then he turns like, nah, okay, I can't make it at this. I'll do this. Maybe that's what I'm going to do when I realize that I can't do what I actually want to do. Maybe I'll do something super evil and pro, like huge, 
Like, not just, like, something stupid, like, just shooting a bunch of people. Like, anybody could do that. No, I want to do something that has a long-lasting impact on <laughs> generations way after me. I want to be multi-generational evil. That's what I'm going for. That's why I'm wearing the scarf. I really enjoy my sense of fashion. I've really started to, like grow into my own sense of style somebody was like oh you had have you heard about balencia you should know about balencia you're wearing a bunch of weird clothing you should know about balencia but no i don't i don't know every designer i'm very new into the fashion world so i gotta stay humble like just because i'm killing it right now i f guess i feel like i'm killing it right now but I'm sure I'm going to look back at this scarf and be like, really? You thought you were, you thought you already mastered the art of fashion? It's like, obviously not, but I'm just saying I, I, I could tell that I'm dressed better than some people because people tell me all that people like strangers, like black people would just be like, you look good today. Yo, motherfucker. And that's not how they talk. That's not how black people, talk. some people, some black people, maybe. But I haven't met a black person that says motherfucker to somebody they don't know. That's more of like, a, that's kind of outdated. I think that's just what white people do. I love doing that, though. I love speaking in what I think is a urban tone in public to strangers. Like, Yo, motherfucker, what you doing over there? You get you off your way. Yo, watch your ass. And it's, and it's I've appropriated it. From their culture. Jews, let's get back to that really quick. This is going to be a funny episode. I don't often say that. Usually I say this is not going to be a funny episode. But this is going to be a fucking funny episode. Because I'm a fucking talented comedian. I'm one of the most talented comedians I've ever met. I mean, I never met Bill Hicks. I'm the next Bill Hicks. I'm already the next Bill. I'm not like saying I'm going to be. I'm already the next Bill Hicks. I'm older than he was when he died. I've been doing it for as long as he did when he died. I'm going to die soon, I guess is what that means. Hey, you're catching me at a good time. I'm almost at my peak of creative output. I mean, I don't know if that means it's any good. It just means this is the end of it. It's like, whatever. No, I think it's pretty good. Fuck you. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Jews. I've, oh, yeah, we... The reason black people hate Jews, I don't know if you knew that, but like a lot of inner city blacks hate Jews. Like, um, it's because we're better at rapping than them. I hate to say it, but all Jews are pretty good rappers inherently. We just have it in our brainstem. Just be like, just have like natural um, vocabulary and flow. We're really good at fucking putting sentences together. Like, I'm not a rapper. I am never going to rap on this podcast or anywhere. I'm not a fucking rapper. I have decorum. When somebody says, yo, man, can you rap? I go, no. I have decorum. I'm a respectful citizen. And I can, though. Of course I can. I just don't because I don't give a fuck about that. I already know that I'm good at, at that type of thing. And I'm not trying to get famous by being a rapper it's really cringe there's a lot of white rappers in this town and i it's embarrassing that some of them are actually like friendly i'm actually like pretty close friends with some of them and let's just pretend that that didn't come out of my i'm sorry okay fuck me i'm embarrassed at, at that at the fact that i'm friends with rappers not that i am anything else i said like that i like hitler or whatever fuck that i don't care about that anyway i'm a very edgy comic um so i'm getting it's fun it's fun having a voice it's a shitty voice most audience members fucking don't get it at all and even if they do get it they still hate it because it's not what they like it's they, they just don't like Ugh. You're trying to do that? That's what you're trying to do? But actually, the people who get it and actually like comedy, they get it. They like it. Like, And it's few and far between. Those people are rare. 
But those people that get what I do on stage, usually other Jewish people, because they're smart enough to see what I'm doing, and they they have like uh, they could see on a multi-layer. They don't just go okay. They don't see the first layer. They see behind the. They see what I'm doing. It's nuanced. You have to kind of be smart to understand that I'm doing a character. I mean, the character is saying all true things I actually believe in real life, but I'm saying it in a funny voice. That's what I mean by doing a character. I'm doing me. Timmy Gusto is me, Tim Weichselbaum. Did I mention that that's the name of the show? Yeah, this is a Tim Weichselbaum show. I don't use that name on stage because that'd be really dumb. And I don't, you know, so I have a, I have a stage name. It's my Italian side of me coming out. And most people, some people don't know that it's an English word. Gusto is actually an English word. It just means like having a lot of chutzpah, enthusiasm towards it's uh but it's based on an Italian word, which is pronounced gusto. And people say gusto and like, it's not as it sounds weird. It's not really what I'm going for. I'm not, like Timmy Gusto. I mean, whatever it works, but it's uh it's pronounced gusto, and the point I'm trying to so anyway. So I'm a very edgy comedian to the point where it's like it's so fucking over the line, like obliterating the mood of the room sometimes, and I don't really like. I'm not good at it. It's very hard to do the type of comedy that I'm trying to do. So I often, not only do I bomb, I bomb in a way that like people like want to like close down the business afterwards. They want to go like, well, we can't do this anymore at this place. This place is not going to be known as the place where somebody did that. There's going to be like a plaque dedicated. Like people remember me now, at least when I do something that extravagantly bad. How could you not remember me, especially if I'm dressed like this? So I'm so so I gotta be like I don't know. I've definitely talked about how I need like bodyguards, but like I need bodyguards, dog. I at least need an entourage who could support me. I'm starting to get some people like that. Like I met a firefighter uh, at a show. He was like, "Hey man, I saw you at a, some other show. I think you're very funny." And I was like, oh, thank you. Your, your comedian was like, yeah. And I was like, but I got a shift tomorrow. And I was like, oh, what do you do? He was like, just comedy. I was like, oh, you have a shift for comedy? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I'm a firefighter. I was like, oh, fucking A, you have a real job. Because when you meet people in comedy sometimes and you find out that they have a real job, sometimes it just goes over my head and I don't really process that they're actually like a functional member of society that actually provides a service and you know is helping people but it didn't this time it didn't happen i actually absorbed the fact that i was talking to a real firefighter with a real mustache and i was like that's fucking awesome and you like and you're a fan of me that's so i don't take it for granted so i actually i think that's awesome because uh, I am a comic, and that is a real job, too, if you treat it like one, which I'm starting to. I'm starting to treat it like a job, not just on stage, mostly off stage. On stage, it's a fucking blur. Once I'm on stage, I will say anything that I that just comes to, to my head, even if I tell myself not to. Like, I'll think of a fucking half-baked premise two hours before going up, that's so fucking bad, but I'll be like, no, I, I'm probably going to do it. I'm probably going to do it. Like the thing I said about how uh, black people, the reason they like Jews is because we're better at rapping. We invented rap. Whether that's true or not, I think there is some truth to that, enough to where it's funny. But when I thought of that, I was like, there's no fucking way you're saying that on stage. And then... The very next day, I say it on stage. So I don't know, man. I always do that. I always tell myself, you're not going to say, don't say that. And then I always end up saying the thing I don't want to say. So, okay. I think that, so yeah, I could go on. I don't know. So I've been alienated, like not alienated because who cares? I don't, how could you alienate somebody that you don't know? But 
sure, I've also been alienating people I know, but like I don't really care. You know, like I I notice that it's happening. It's like, oh, somebody that used to like me, <laughs> somebody that actually used to like me now doesn't make eye contact with me because they think I'm like a bad person, like literally just because I do jokes that are like very over the line. And like, okay, I get it. You're not a comedian yet. You're not even, you don't understand comedy. I'm a real comedian. What does that, so what does that mean? So what I mean by that is I don't always do well doing the comedy I'm doing, but I, I actually have a style that actually is thought out and it actually took many years to develop that style. So I know that it is good. It's just that it's a specific genre. It is not the whole wavelength. It's just a tiny little bit of the spectrum on a spectrometer. It's like, okay, you have one little, you take up just that little blip, but I'm very good at that uh, niche of comedy. So I'm not going to stop doing it. And it's, it actually only takes me a little bit to recover when it goes really bad because I'm kind of proud of myself for committing to the act, you know, because sometimes, not sometimes, but a lot of the time, last night, tonight, probably a lot of other nights that I just don't remember because I'm kind of used to it. I bomb so bad that like people go like, holy crap, what the fuck was that? And then it fucks up the rest of the show. And that doesn't mean I'm bad. It means that I did something so bad that you kind of have to respect it. Like that actually is a skill to do that bad. Most people who bomb, they're forgettable. It's like, oh, he bombed, but I don't remember me. Yeah, I fucking leave a fucking crater. I got fucking played off stage <laughs> last night. Well, I didn't. Timmy did. I'm not. I'm Tim. I'm a serious business person when I'm doing that. But Timmy, oh my God, he got fucking literally, he had to get played off stage at a major club by the host because he refused to get off stage at the time that they wanted him to because he just didn't respect the host. He was like, he was like, I'm not going to get off stage just because like, okay, I did get off stage, but like, he was like, he was like, Oh, thanks for giving me the light again. As if somebody didn't just do 10 minutes a couple minutes ago. And then they said, yeah, but people actually wanted to see that guy, which is kind of fun. And I was like, no, not really. I just, <laughs> I just like, I didn't even take it. It didn't even like hit me as it like, Oh, he got me. And, like, no, I was like, no, not really. I didn't fucking want to see him for 10. Like, <laughs> and literally the dude that I was talking about, his parents were literally in the front row and I was talking shit about him about like, I didn't want to fucking see that guy for 10 minutes. People want to see me for 10 minutes. I just literally, I just fucking gave it right back. And it was fun. And then he just started playing music. <laughs> it was like, okay, that was Timmy Gusta. Okay, next up, coming to the stage. And I was not, I was like, I, I was like, I'm not, I was about to do that. I was about to sign off. I don't know. It wasn't that bad. But it started out by um, him saying, as I was getting on stage, which usually takes about 30 seconds to a minute, for me to just get to the microphone because I walk with a pimp fucking, I don't, I don't know, like a pimp cane. Like I fucking, I walk like, you know, I take my time because that's part of the act. Like I actually have a persona and it's more than just my voice. It's physical. It's not just the writing. It's a lot. It's everything. It's the image. It's the way I walk. So I was doing what I do. I've done this many many times i know that it's funny to do that it's funny to slowly walk to the stage sometimes it's like if there's an actual crowd and if they actually understand that it's a bit but this guy did not think it was he didn't understand that it was like a bit or if he did he felt the need to like uh interject 
uh, he heckled me. He was like from his mic, from his little corn, his little cozy corner uh, where he was doing the job, I guess, which is the most lazy way to do the job of hosting a microphone. It's it's the easiest job in show business, hosting an open mic. It's pretty easy. It's It takes skill to do it well, but to do it at the minimum skill level takes absolutely no effort. And that's what he was doing. So he felt the need to like interject as I was starting my set. He was like, this counts towards your time. And I was just like, and I played with that. I was like, excuse me? And then that's it. I don't, I don't remember what happened after. And then I was like, oh, you don't know who I am? And then I actually did some jokes. I actually did get a couple like trickles of laughter by one audience. One audience member actually really liked it. Even though to everybody else, it was like a brutal bomb. But I actually did get one joke out and, or at least one. And yeah, and it was fun. And I got played off stage aggressively and it fucked up the next comic set. He didn't recover. Not that he would have done well anyway. I mean, it was a shitty room, but like, I don't care. I've had fun. I've had good sets in rooms like that. And I always go up there trying to do well, but I I knew I wasn't gonna do well. So if I'm if I know I'm not gonna do well, I want to do very very not well. I want to leave a fucking pothole where the the microphone was, and it, it was fun. Um, parts in in retro. It, it also, that's kind of funny to to do that to like to like completely burn a bridge with the host in a major comedy club. This was not just like a hole in the wall venue. This was like one of the most well-known comedy clubs <laughs> in this. So uh, it was fun, but like, whatever did I do? Yeah. I did a set after that, which was a little better. I was super like loose. Like I didn't give a fuck. And you know, so that's a better place to be mentally if you don't give a fuck and i did a little bit better and somebody was there that was actually digging it and laughing at the right parts and like so that made it helpful and it was just fun i was loose i was doing my thing so anyway it's tough though it's tough to get successful or get paid to do the type of comedy that i'm doing but it is comedy so there is an odd, there is somebody that that likes it, uh, but I also I made a joke tonight about how it's very hard to get paid doing the type of topics that I cover, and that got a big laugh. And so I don't even have to really do the jokes; I could just talk about the jokes that I want to do. They're horrible. Some of them are so bad and not offensive, but just like wrong, like like dangerous. Like, for me to be saying the things I'm saying in public, people could possibly want to, like, kill me or something like that. But I don't know. I own it. I always, like, say something to show that, yeah, that was a crazy thing to say. Like, you know, that's part of it. As a comedian, you have to learn how to, like, present to the audience when you're just kidding. You got to smile. I'm not smiling right now just because I'm kind of not in the right mood to smile. I'm very overtired. And sleep apnea, I, I'm starting to treat it effectively. I'm starting to force myself to wear the mask. Because when I don't, it's really bad. I wake up with a headache and it's it's really hard to be productive and be who I want to be. So... I started to force myself every night for the entire night to keep that thing on and to keep it so it's not uh, loose and leaking because the app tells you if it's leaking, it tells you how many events per hour. So last night I did sleep with it on and I woke up feeling okay, but I still didn't sleep for enough hours. I only slept for maybe five hours. So that was that's why I'm tired. And that's why I'm not able to be energetic right now. But anyway, that's the sleep apnea update. It's a very important thing that I got treated. I'm very happy that I'm making progress on something so significant 
in terms of my health, mental health, physical health, and so on and so forth. It affects my mood, makes me a better person to use that uncomfortable mask. But it's becoming more comfortable as I get used to it. It's like it's almost like it's nice. It's almost like you don't really notice it because you get used to it. It's like oh, I need this. I need this to sleep. So it's nice, you know. It's nice to have air going into your nostril. Like you, you could just take a sip off it. It's kind of cool. It's like taking a drug. It's like it's like smoking but with air. So anyway, that's that topic. Um, another thing that I talked about with um, being a professional on stage and off stage. So yeah, I'm trying to be not just funny. You got to be also a good person off stage. I would say that's at least 50% important. It's not, it's probably even more than that. You have to be a cool person that's easy to get along with and friendly and not an asshole to other comics and people in the industry, anybody in the industry, fans as well. Of course, you should probably not be mean to your fans or anybody. Um, it's not going to help. So that's what I've been becoming good at. And I'm becoming kind of like a comics comic. Not really that I make them laugh. Like, I don't give a fuck about that. If they get it, they get it. If they don't, they probably just don't know what they're talking about. They don't understand what I'm doing. So who cares? Um, but I'm becoming really good at giving comics what they need to hear. Like I tell comics what they need to hear. Because I know that I'm funny. I know what it's like to bomb in a very harsh way. So if somebody else bombs, I know how to cheer them up. It's not that hard. Like, I don't know. It, I it, Like, and not just that. Who cares about bombing? That's just part of it. Everybody, most for the most part, everybody has what they call a bomb. But there's another thing that I realized I am past that, um... Not past at a comedy club. That's never happened. But I'm past the point of being jealous of other comics. Now that is a fucking miracle. Can you fucking imagine? Because most comics are... When they're just starting out, when they're only a couple of years in, maybe five years in, is when they start to try to overcome this. But it's it often takes much longer than that for some. Because of jealousy being so fucking rampant and it it's really tough if you don't take mushrooms so what i've realized is i'm not i figured it out i figured out that actually being jealous shows that you're you're not a professional yet it shows that you're not quite mature enough because it's uh it's pointless i don't and it's also it's kind of wrong to be jealous cuz uh but i get it cuz if you're funny and if you see somebody else that's not that funny that's getting opportunities that you're not that you would like the natural thing for a lot of people is to be like oh fuck that uh, i don't like that i don't like that it hurts me it makes me feel small and insignificant and not valuable and why am i doing this if I'm not getting what I feel I, I want, I need and deserve. So I figured that out, how to not have that anymore. I don't really have it anymore because if somebody gets an opportunity, they probably earned it in some way. They probably deserve it. People don't just hand out opportunities like candy. They give it to people that have proven that they at least deserve the chance of to do the opportunity doesn't mean they're going to crush it just means they put in the work to either suck the right dicks and like okay i'm not jealous of that if somebody sucked somebody's dick i don't respect them as comedians or performers but i go okay whatever it's like i i don't have to talk to them they're not gonna bother me usually um i don't know i just and if somebody's jealous of me that hurts more than that's what hurts like i'm not jealous of other people anymore so if, but if somebody's jealous of me um that does sting a little bit because it's like i don't i want to be friends with with comics i don't want them to feel that i am 
a uh, enemy or somebody like that because uh, I'm not. So I'm pretty. I'm trying to help other comics with that who I could see are still very much struggling with it. I just I don't know what what the magic phrase is, other than to say, hey, it's time for a mushroom trip, because that's when you really realize that status is not the be all end all. It's being funny. It's if you could be funny in front of people and they don't know who you are, that's pretty fucking awesome. That makes you feel fucking fantastic. And you don't really need the status after that because people appreciate you and they go, "Oh, you're you're not famous and you're able to do that." That feels better than being famous probably and being mediocre. That is depressing. I could think of an example right now of a comic that was huge in the 90s. And now, yeah, people still know about him. Some older people know who he is. But he's not a good comic. He's not. He doesn't kill. He doesn't know how to kill. And he's not that famous. So he just has a little bit of fame. It must suck. So it's better. To, the bottom line of this topic is... It's better to be underrated than overrated, which right now I am very underrated by the general public. Internally, like inside the comedy scene, some people do understand that I'm pretty good. But in the grand scheme of things, themes or things, I always never I never know if that's the what the phrase is, but uh I'm very not famous. So I actually it's actually fucking relaxing. Because I, I don't have really anything to prove, but I, I still am proving things. So I don't know. That's it. It's a really humbling thing to know that you're still gonna bomb, you know. Because if you are famous and funny, like me, I'm not famous, but I am funny most of the time. It gets easier to get laughs. Because people know you. They know your style. So people, you start to get a lot of fans that show up to your shows. And it just literally gets easier to get laughs. You don't have to always go up there wearing ridiculous clothing and having a no-name face. And just being like, hey, look at me. I'm race. Look at me. I'm a fucking asshole. Yeah, that's that's tough to do multiple times a night and that's why you develop really strong jokes so that you don't have to dance that hard you just do one solid opener and then hopefully it works and then the rest of the set is not an uphill battle but for me i've been opening on completely new bits that are not really that good like i've i go up there not trying to win favor at all. I like to do that. I go up there and go, Suppose, fucking mother cockers. Like, I just do something like that, and, like, they don't always laugh at that. Like, sometimes it fucking murders, but, like, the correct thing to do if you're trying to actually get the crowd on your side is to do a joke that is actually, like, nice. It's not cool to just go up there and not thank the host, just be like, What's up, horse? Just do that. Like, it's not even say, like, how y'all doing? How you doing? I used to do that. I used to say, how you doing? I don't really do that anymore. I say, what's up, cocksuckers? Like, I literally do that. Or, what's up, you whole horde of ugly motherfuckers? And that's funny in certain rooms. It's not funny in most rooms that don't know who the fuck you are. It just comes off as mean. But I like a challenge. The type of comedy I'm doing is probably the hardest, literally, t type of comedy to do in the world. I'd, I'd do better being like a prop act, an impressionist. I'm not a good impressionist. Except for uh, Sebastian. I could do Sebastian. That wasn't him at all. Never mind. I can only do him when I'm not trying to. I could do him when I'm trying to be funny. Like, what are you talking about? But that's still not him. It comes out only when I'm on stage and when I'm trying to be funny on this podcast. So I'm fulfilled as a nobody because I've been doing stand-up this week 
a lot. Like I did three sets tonight, three sets yesterday, and I don't, my memory doesn't really go farther back than that. So, and I'm try. I'll probably do a couple tomorrow. I don't know, man. I want to keep lifting the weights to stay uh, stage ready because you never know if somebody needs me to do a spot, like a real spot. And like, I kind of want to be prepared. Okay, that's boring. That's enough on. Uh, con- okay, one more thing that I didn't that I forgot about with the uh, the bomb at where I got played off stage. I also also during that set when the host was like heckling me. Not that he didn't deserve. To, not that I didn't deserve it. I he I don't know, but that's part of the fun. I don't really mind. I was just like I wasn't pissed off really. I was like, okay, I'm gonna give it back. So I he was like, yeah, but that guy actually wanted to be on. And then I was like, yeah, how long have you been doing comedy? I asked him how long he's been doing comedy. <laughs> See, that's funny to do that. Like most people thought I was like being legit. Like I actually gave a fuck. No, I was just doing what I do. That's my character. Yeah, how long you been doing comedy? And he was like, eight years. And I was like, Psh, big whoop. You're no Shane Gillis. I, I said that. Isn't that fucking crazy? I told the host of an open mic, you're no Shane Gillis. And I think he took it pretty personally because he played me off stage afterwards. So anyway, I'm proud of that. It's been a fun week so far. Uh, so another thing that happened that... Um, I'm gonna put these mittens on. It's getting it's very chilly and this it's getting cold out. Um I was driving home yesterday last night after a long night of comedy and you know and I see as I'm driving on a high speed road, like the speed limit is fifty. So that means I was going at least fifty, like sixty probably, and I could see for just a just for half a second, I made out what looked like crisscross, two legs sprawled out in my fucking lane, about fifty to a hundred feet down the road. So I was like, "Yeah, I I couldn't quite see if it was a person, but I was like, "Yeah, it seems like a person. It was a silhouette. So of course, it was a black person, or else it would be easier to see them. So." There's a very tall black person just standing in the middle of the street, uh, a 50 mile an hour speed limit, fucking two lane highway street. So I moved over, thank God, because it was a person, like I said, and I slowed down and I honked at him for about a second or two and I went on with my merry way, but I was pretty pissed off. Because if I didn't follow my instinct, if I was not paying attention, I would have hit the guy at 60 miles an hour and he would have also hurt me because I drive a low car and this was a big dude, a big suicidal asshole. So he would have probably severely injured me as well. Like, I don't give a fuck if he died. I, I would have like gladly killed him, but like... I don't have a fucking cattle pusher on my fucking car. I'm not a locomotive. So it would have been a very traumatic, like not traumatic in like the emotional sense, just in the financial and bodily sense. I would have been physically injured. I would have been late to eat ice cream at home and smoke weed and like have a nice end of the night ritual. But thank fuck, because I was pretty close to home when this happened. And I don't live in Austin. This happened only like a couple miles from my house. And you don't see a lot of like suicidal homeless people in this part of uh, Travis County where I live. That shit usually only happens within city limits. So I was definitely like spooked by it, but mostly I was pissed off. It didn't ruin my night. It was just like, holy shit, I can't believe that all that could have... Just the slightest bit of not paying attention and it would have been a head-on collision with a person and it would have obviously ruined my night and my car and my beautiful face and I would have had a lot of injuries. So that's all that matters is thank fuck I didn't didn't get hurt. Who gives a fuck about this guy? I mean, okay, I guess you could argue it sucks 
that somebody is going through such a mental health crisis that they're standing in the middle of a row just trying to be killed. But I don't really have much sympathy for somebody like that because there's other ways to kill yourself that doesn't involve ruining somebody else's life, you fucking asshole. So be careful on the road. And uh, also on the flip side of when I bomb, usually if I have a really bad set, the next set will be pretty good because I'll be motivated. I'll be like, okay, that was pretty bad. And it'll just put me in the right fucking mindset to adjust whatever I did wrong. It's like, okay, take it down a peg. Try to actually connect with the audience before you just go into your fucking brutal material that scorches the earth. Don't do that. Actually try to connect with the crowd. Be nice. Be like, hey, how y'all doing? You know? And then you could work in your evilness, which I did tonight. My la- Thank fuck. I'm so grateful that there is another mic happening that I... I almost messaged the person who runs it saying to just to thank them for putting me up, but I won't because I don't know that I will in person if I see them again very you know if I see them within the next couple of days, maybe I'll go up to them and tell them that because I really needed to redeem myself. It would have sucked to have to go home after the bomb that I had, so I did pretty well at this very tiny little, you know, back of a bar, whatever, upstairs at a bar. I I worked, I just did what you're supposed to do. I warmed myself up to the audience and explained myself. I didn't just rattle off material. I was like, okay, this is going to be boring. But And I just started going into it, kind of like with this podcast. I kind of like slowly go into stuff and I know when to edit myself. That's also part of it. So when I kill, I tend to kill pretty hard. That's the benefit. That's the plus side of being a fucking edgelord is if you kill, it'll be so fucking rewarding and people will come up to you who you'd never really talked to before just because you did so well that they have to say something. That's that's a really good feeling and it makes you just really feel warm and fuzzy inside so i'm gonna hopefully keep doing that i know i of course i'm gonna keep doing well i'm also gonna keep doing bad though because i can't always there's always variables that you can never fully control so of course i'm gonna always have bad sets but anyway it's just very good to have that when people that you didn't always know that people didn't always talk to or talk to you are now you're on their radar. Like they're now like, oh, you're, they'd say hi. Like they like you all of a sudden because you earned their respect. I don't know about respect, but like you earned something from them. Respect is a big word in, in comedy. That's not a word I use lightly to have somebody's respect in comedy takes almost a decade. I'm not even kidding. Like at least five years. It took me to get on the same level as other comedians that I started around the same time with. Like, they just like, yeah, whatever. Like, they tolerated me, but they didn't fuck with me until I proved myself in the duration of five years. I don't know, man. And, like, I have a lot to offer newer comedians who haven't quite figured themselves out yet. I'm really good at comforting them because we all need it. You know, like I know what I'm doing. I could tell if somebody's funny, even if they have a scorched earth, get played off. The host tells them they they suck. (laughs) They're never invited back. Like they're banned from the club. I could still go up to that person and be like, yo, don't worry about what just happened. That was funny. I'm a comedian. I've been doing it longer than you, so I actually know what I'm talking about. Mother caca. And that warms their heart. So I'm trying to be a positive force on the world. That's why I'm a big endorser of magical mushrooms because they they give you this like tingly feeling, like this 
giddiness of like it's like it could be interpreted as nausea but it it's not it's similar but it's more of like ooh and it's it's love that's what it is it's it's like i don't know it's oxytocin or whatever i don't fucking know but it's something and it makes you see through the social fucking baggage it makes you just go oh I don't give a fuck about this whole like status and like high school mentality of like, oh, there's a pecking order and like, oh, he's too cool to talk to. No, fuck that. When I'm on mushrooms or just in the right mood, I could go up to anybody. I don't give a fuck. Like if they are guarded. No, I'll just go up to them and be like, give them a genuine compliment. I'll even get up out of my chair to do that. Anyway, and uh, Elon Musk, the one joke I'm working on is a joke. It's also kind of interesting and true probably. It's like, that motherfucker is going to colonize Mars eventually. So that's going to be a new planet with its own economy, culture, and nation, nationality. So what obviously my first thought is, well, is it going to be open to everybody or just white people? I think we could make an educated guess that Elon is eventually going to be the next Adolf Hitler, which means he's probably going to only want you know white people to be on Mars. That's just my opinion. That's just my forecast. That's my racial forecast to Mars. Cloudy with a chance of whiteness. I don't know. I'm so I'm still working on that bit, but I think there's something there. So we're going to end the episode. I don't know how, how long we're in. I can't tell. My phone is off, but who cares? So it doesn't matter how long it's been. I'm already ready to start doing the final topic, which is something a little different. We're going to switch it up. We're going to do some media. We're going to inject some media into the episode post-production. So I got my iPad. So we're going to do a quick uh, review of memes. Not just any memes, but anti-work memes is the uh, topic. So I got one right here, which you will see on your screen. Okay, work culture. And it shows a really a dude in a bear suit of, or something. It says, management, bosses, owners, working class. So I guess the joke is that management, bosses, owners see working class as bears. That is a, that's not a good one. Okay, let's do another one. Okay, this one shows a blob, a person, uh, the first clip, whatever. It's a dude passing a note. It says, stop letting a job define you, buddy. Your life belongs to you. And okay, that's not really edgy at all. I'm looking for edgy kind. This one's too much to read, so let's keep going and going. Onion Union does cost around $700 a year. A new video game system with the latest hit sounds like fun. Put your money towards that instead of paying dues to a union and then the next it's like homer saying i wanted a video game and then brain higher wages can buy many video games okay that one is saying that we need higher wages instead of paying it okay i don't really understand that one but i guess the gist of it is you need more money you should pay your employers more i'm anti this this movement by the way i'm anti anti-work i'm pro i'm just work I'm for the work movement, but also I'm not retired. I get, I get that it's, I get why it's a thing. Um, anyway, hey, can you prepare this report? I know it's Friday evening. I don't want to ruin your weekend, so take your time and let's review it first thing. Well, these are really bad. Holy crap! None of these are funny. Okay, let's just do a couple more. See if there's any actual good ones. Yes, I got the job. Now I can avoid homelessness and afford to put one extra meal in my stomach during the half-hour lunch break I get throughout my eight-hour shift that takes up literally a third of my walking day. Yeah, so this is like a doomer-type meme where it's like, yeah, I got a job, okay. So my working, my waking day, the other two-thirds of which I exist in a constant state of existential dread... Yeah, a lot of people are going through that. I should be grateful I'm making minimum wage and being unfairly exploited for my label capitalism, baby. So yeah, that's basically the gist of it. Not a funny meme. That's a very dark, not funny meme. 
Okay, how about this one? Somebody once told me years ago that being an employee is one of the worst ways to make money. Your valuable time in exchange for money is never a fair trade. And it shows management sucking on a profit pipe and salary just dripping out one drip at a time towards the the poor, thin, uh, starving employee. So that's the gist of, of the anti-work movement is like, the uh, the fat cats on top are taking all the profit. Meanwhile, the employees are doing most of the work and getting a tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny bit of the profit. And, you know, yeah, that's capitalism. And uh, it's also probably any other form of government or economy. Like, it's very hard to make it an equilibrium where you get a purely equal like perfectly equal share of the profit for what work you're putting in that's just fucking how the world is like that's just how it's not the world it's beyond the world this would be on any planet um power gets concentrated as you ascend as you gain more it becomes more and more concentrated so if you're if you're a ceo you're going to have a fuckload of power and not really have to do much to maintain it. You just have to be a CEO. <coughs> That's not that hard of a job. Uh, obviously, I'm just, it is, but not compared to the... That's just how fucking reality is. It's like a law of thermodynamics. So you can't really do anything about it. That's why I like looking at memes about it. How a boss feels when a worker has an outside hobby or something to go home to. He's like, fucking, yeah. Yeah, that that one I, I sympathize with a little bit because, yeah, that sucks. Employees should be treated as humans. They should be treated as full-spectrum human beings with hobbies and their own fucking passions that they pursue besides work. So if you're a shitty employer, you're going to look at your employees as pawns but to defend those employers the reason they do that is because they can and some of those employees technically are just pawns because they're replaceable and they're doing low skilled work that's easy to train so that's just laws of physics so anyway that was a fun place to end just telling people that they're fucking wrong but hey um, we got to do something about it. I think the solution is separate planets. We need a new planet for everybody. Just anybody who doesn't like a certain group. Okay, there's a planet for you. Hey, so this is the future. Like we will solve these problems. I'm not saying it'll take like a genocide for it to happen. Just different astronomical bodies that we travel to and colonize. Colonization is the answer just in a different terrestrial plane get with the memo this has been a fun episode this has been episode 57 of the tim vikesabom show i am on tour timmy gusto is on tour go to my new website timmygusto.com slash tour to see where i'm at and if you have a podcast hit me up I will be racist on your podcast. I don't need to just do it on this one. I'm trying to branch out. Thank y'all. Have a good week.